Reports of mysterious deaths at a tavern in the Eastern Cape on Sunday sent shivers down the spines of South Africans reading the morning news. Images from inside the tavern were circulated on social media, showing an even grimmer scene, with bodies lying on the floor or collapsed in seated positions as if they had just fallen asleep. Although rumours abounded online about what had caused the unexplained deaths of 21 youngsters between the ages of 13 and 17, sources close to the investigation have said on Thursday that carbon monoxide poisoning could be to blame. An emotional police minister, Becky Kele, addressed the media and community members outside the mortuary the bodies of the deceased were taken on Sunday, where he expressed his pain in seeing so many children dead. I'm Amy Gibbings, journalist for News 24's Multimedia Department, and you're listening to The Story. This week, we'll talk to News 24 reporter Mali Bongwe Daimani, who will paint a picture of what we know about the fatal early hours of Sunday morning and how things have unfolded since. Later, we'll hear from forensic pathologist Dr. Hestel van Staden, who will explain how carbon monoxide poisoning affects the body and how it can be detected in a forensic investigation. You're listening to The Story. It's a podcast by News24. We'll speak to journalists and experts about the week's biggest story. This is what we saw, heard and uncovered this week. Thank you for making time for us in your busy schedule, Mali Bongwe. With the information we have so far, could you paint a picture of what might have happened in the tavern in the early hours of Sunday morning? Well, Emmy, we spoke to a senior investigating officer and he gave us a clue what could have happened. He's one of the first respondents to go to the scene. He suspects that uh, carbon monoxide uh, poisoning could be behind the deaths of these uh, young children or or teenagers Um, because amongst the things they found on the scene when they were searching for clues was a petrol generator. Uh, And when they checked the petrol tank, it was empty, uh, meaning that it ran until it finished. And what is strange about this petrol generator is that it's one of those portable generators that are supposed to be uh, put outside but it was put inside which is which is considered extremely dangerous so the possibility is that um, these children uh, about more than 200 of them were parting overcrowded there in that uh, tavern could have died from inhaling the fumes of the petrol generator. That's what uh, our sources are telling us. How were police alerted to the incident? Well, the police were called around 4 a.m. on Sunday morning by a, a community member or a passerby after stumbling upon children, panicking, uh, screaming, hanging out of windows from this double-story tavern, uh, crying out for help. And also after having seen one of them having passed away. And the police were called at 4 a.m. and they arrived there and they found 19 bodies inside that tavern. Three more were found uh, or died uh, en route to hospital and one more died uh, in hospital. 
I read an account by a young teenager, Mbasa Mpafi, who mm. had to jump off the double-story balcony because he could smell that something was in the air. And he actually, he said he saw, he couldn't get to the crowded downstairs area where I'm assuming this generator was. And mm. he saw the bouncer throw two girls out. And I'm assuming, you know, the assumption was that they were passed out from drinking too much alcohol. And and then the door was closed behind and and locked. And he said he, he couldn't, he could tell that there was something wrong with the girls. He checked their pulse and the one girl was dead. She didn't have a pulse. So he tried to, to I mean, it's such a devastating story. He tried to then, uh, he asked a friend where their other friend was. And that friend said he was going to go in and find him. And both of them never came out again. And it's just a bit odd that the door was shut and they weren't letting people in and out. I do understand that sometimes happens in clubs, but what sort of accountability are, are the, you know, the authorities involved in managing this event going to face as a consequence? Well, the police at the moment have not opened a murder investigation. They have opened um, an inquest uh, they are still investigating the circumstances uh, that led to this uh, tragedy. Uh, but they are not ruling out uh, anything. And the Eastern Cape Liquor Board, uh, which regulates uh, the operations of these taverns, it grants licenses, has opened a criminal case against the owners of the tavern for selling liquor to underage people. And uh, unfortunately, we haven't been lucky enough to get an opportunity to speak to, to, to the managers of the tavern itself. But we are hoping to, to, to speak to them this afternoon to just give us their side of the story and just respond to the allegations that uh, the bouncer blocked people from coming in and out of the tavern. But we are not sure whether he was blocking people because he was trying to control, maybe it was a crowd control uh, move or trying to close the tavern. But we, what we understand is that um, there was too many, there were too many people there uh, in that tavern, both inside and outside. And this is a double-story tavern. It has a VIP area on the top floor, and then it has another area downstairs. And we managed to sneak in and, and, and check, not inside, but we, we stood outside the windows and managed to, to, to just have a look. And by the looks of things, uh, the structure itself, it, it's, it's questionable, the integrity of the structure. And, and uh, it looks like it poses a safety hazard to both patrons and to the surrounding houses. And as I speak to you, I got a confirmation from the Buffalo City Metro uh, municipality that the owners of this tavern were never granted a license to make those building plans. The area was zoned for residential purposes. It is a mystery why, how they managed to build the tavern without following the bylaws. So the municipality has also uh, launched its own investigation to see what sort of action they could take against the the owners of this tavern for flouting the municipal bylaws and also for putting other people's lives at risk with the, with this structure 
it has one door. Uh, there's no emergency of fire escape. That's what we, we observed when we went there uh, earlier this week. So it, it does pose safety, safety uh, concerns, you know, to, to everyone. And, and we, we've done interviews and according to witnesses and people who, who rescued some of the girls and, and boys from, from the building, they actually told us that uh, some of these patrons had to jump off windows, jump off balcony to, to escape from whatever took the lives of the 12 girls and nine boys. How long has this tavern been operating as such? Is it is it well known by community members for hosting events that attract a very an underage audience? Yeah, that's very interesting. That is very interesting. It's an interesting trend to notice that there is this place hidden away. In the, if you can just go there, it's not very easy to to to, to find that tavern. And it caught many people by surprise. Uh, I mean, I also spoke to many fellow journalists uh, around uh, the Buffalo City Metro, especially in East London and in that township of Scenario Park. And they all say, this is our first time knowing about this tavern. It seems to be a secret and a safe haven for, 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 like, for these kids to go there. Because one thing is in common is that there were so many underage people there. It sounds like the event almost exclusively catered for an underage, an underage audience. It I mean, to think, to think there was a 13-year-old there. And I did, mm. also, I did also read that there was a poster for the event advertising free Wi-Fi, mm. free rounds of drinks. Um, can you verify that? Yeah, definitely. We saw the posters as well. Uh, it's doing rounds on social media. We've seen it. It's, it's, it's in our position as well. Uh, but we have not managed to... We are still trying to track down the person behind this event. We are told that it's some certain DJ. It's not even the owner of the tavern who organized this event. It's just that the, the, the tavern was booked by this DJ, local DJ, a lot of children uh, went there. The poster seemed to be a draw card for, for these uh, children. They flocked that place. We are told that more than 400 uh, stormed that place uh, because uh, the poster promised free drinks and free Wi-Fi and as well as a free photo shoot. And hours later... People started dropping dead, started falling on the floors, on the tables, on, on chairs. And and at the moment, no one knows what was the cause. One thing, one thing's for sure, someone is going to be held accountable. Um, everyone involved has a responsibility here. The DJ who organized the event, the owner of the tavern itself. But tell me, how has government's response been um, to the grieving community members? I saw in a very uh, emotional Becky Kele breaking down after addressing the media and community members outside the mortuary. He was there first thing Sunday morning. Um, he actually saw the crime scene and describe the horror of seeing all these these dead children. Um, w w are they receiving appropriate support? 
Yeah, we've also seen the mayor of the Buffalo City Metro, Mr. Paula Pagati, um, announcing that the the municipality will allocate a free graves to all the the victims of this tragedy. And uh, we've also seen the uh, provincial government announcing that the this will be a, a mass funeral organized by the, the government. But when we spoke to the South African National uh, Civic Organization, SANCO, they raised concerns, not really concerns, but um, they objected, sort of rejected the gesture from, from the municipality, uh, saying that the municipality needs to do more, you know, for those families. And that the, the, the organization will go door to door to the to the families of the victims and do a needs assessment to assess what what are the most pressing matters or essential needs of the family so that the municipality can 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 do more. Thank you so much, Mali Bongwe. I'm going to let you get back to work. That was News 24 report in the Eastern Cape, Mali Bongwe Daimani. We're now talking to forensic pathologist, Dr. Hestel van Staden. Thank you for joining us today, doctor. Thank you very much for having me, Amy. We can't make any assumptions yet because the final report around what caused these deaths has not come out yet. It is only just an assumption that there was a generator there and it could have been it possibly could have been down to carbon monoxide poisoning. Can you just give us a a bit of a briefing on how this toxin affects the body and eventually causes one to die? Um, Yes, like you said, we can't make assumptions yet. Well, we should never make assumptions, but we can't make a final conclusion. Um, Carbon monoxide, however, is a very poisonous substance it's produced by the incomplete combustion of carbonaceous materials, such as, for example, a gas heater that's, that's, that's on, or a kerosene heater, a brazier that's burning, any fire that is burning, the motor vehicle exhaust um, um, gases, and also, unfortunately, like we know in South Africa at the moment, a generator. So what it does is this gas then binds to hemoglobin, but it binds with a strong capacity, up to two to 300 times that of oxygen. Now, as you know, hemoglobin actually carries blood around the, um, the body. Um, it actually carries the oxygen around the body. So when it's now a different substance bound to the hemoglobin, this is being carried around the body. What also happens is that um, carboxyhemoglobin, that's the bound um, chemical, shall we call it, shifts the oxygen dissociation curve to the left. And what that basically means is that not only is this toxin being carried around the body and now the the, the cells are deprived of oxygen, but it also means that the oxygen that is still bound to hemoglobin is not actually given over to the cells. It's It's not dissociating from the hemoglobin. So it's basically like a double whammy effect. It's very um, toxic, very poisonous. Is this something that we see a lot of, particularly in rural communities where maybe there isn't actually any electricity or where people might be burning fires inside? Is this an issue that, that we see sometimes in South Africa? Yes, unfortunately it is, not only in rural areas, even in cities. 
Um, we often see um, carbon monoxide poisoning, unfortunately more so in winter when people are cold, they might be burning a brazier inside an enclosed space. So they are cold, so they close all the doors and windows and suddenly there's no ventilation, there's nowhere for this gas to escape. What makes it particularly dangerous is the fact that this is odorless, it is colorless, it's non-irritant, so people are not actually aware of the fact that they are being exposed to this gas. Um, whilst they are being um, exposed to it. So how I almost understand it, your body is being starved of oxygen, and so it's like an asphyxiation almost. It is absolutely an asphyxial death. You are entirely correct. And is that why we see these these the devastating images of these patrons almost look looking like they just lay down to sleep? Would you just slowly almost fall asleep as a result? Well, what actually happens is usually they present with a headache, but I mean, you know, nobody knows why am I having a headache at a certain time. So um, they usually start off with having having a headache, some tightness as well is um, experienced. They then continue to start becoming drowsy, um, nauseous, vomiting, and then they become comatosed, like you're saying, it looks like they're falling asleep, with further suppression of the heart rate and of the respiratory centra. Um, before eventually convulsing and then dying. And again, not all the symptoms are present in every single person either. Doctor, from your experience, could you maybe give us a bit of insight into how a forensic investigation of this nature would be undertaken? Okay. So these are regarded as unnatural deaths, so they would require a medico-legal post-mortem examination. In cases such as this, in fact, in all unnatural deaths, we prefer to have the investigating officer or officers present at the time of post-mortem examination. So firstly, we would have a look at the external appearance of the bodies. Are there any injuries? Are there anything that, that would, would aid us or guide us in terms of what had happened? We would then continue to undress the bodies and see um, Again, is there anything else it can tell us? We would then continue to do a full post-mortem examination, including a bloodless dissection of the neck. Um, we would also, specifically in this case, if the, this was the cause of death, one doesn't really expect to find injuries on the bodies, and it's usually a relatively non-specific um, examination. So the results in a case such as this would actually hang mostly on the blood results. So we would take toxicology and we would take blood for, um, for carbon monoxide determination, which is then sent to forensic chemi labs. And we would have wait to those results before we finalize um, the report. We would also want to see if there's any other toxins or alcohol on board. So um, those reports and results are very in, in, important. Doctor, I remember reading in one article that these bodies had quite a pungent smell, quite a unique smell when they came into the mortuary. What could that be? Is, is that as a result of possible carbon monoxide poisoning or too difficult to say? I, mean, I also read that. I'm not sure where the smell originated from because carbon monoxide by itself is actually odorless. So sometimes it might be the exhaust fumes that we're smelling. It might be some other gas that was emitted along with carbon monoxide. If this was the case, we might turn, it, we might turn out to all be surprised by whatever it is. But carbon monoxide by itself does not have a smell. So I can't tell you where the smell is coming from. Just as we are now facing stage six load shedding, 
I'm assuming there are going to be a lot more people using generators, especially in winter um, and, you know, heaters, fires, as you mentioned earlier. What advice do you have for people just to avoid something like this happening again? Well, the most important thing, obviously, is to make sure that there's adequate ventilation. The problem with something like carbon monoxide is that even if there is ventilation, it can still lead to poisoning. So one needs to be very sure that there's proper and adequate ventilation, making sure there's a door open or a window open and that um, a gas heater or any heater or a brazier or a generator does not run in an enclosed space where people could be exposed. And that's the most important thing. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and experience in the field. That was Dr. Hestel van Staden, forensic pathologist. That's all we have time for this week. I'm Amy Gibbings, producer and host of The Story. Join us next Saturday for a discussion on the week's biggest story.